0: would forgive you if some small part of your brain has forgotten that today is election day. There are not any national races, no midterms. Off years like this, they can be a little chill. If you're in Ohio, on the other hand, scratch that.
1: I would say that it is not chill here, yes.
0: Carter Sherman is currently on a bit of a road trip through Ohio. Akron and Cleveland, then Columbus. She's a reporter for The Guardian.
1: It feels like everybody is revved up and anxious, I would say. It seems like everywhere I go, I see signs, I turn on my YouTube, and I immediately get hit with targeted ads. It just really feels like this election is inescapable at this point.
0: Today's vote is all about abortion, a ballot initiative called Issue 1. Voting yes would mean enshrining access to reproductive health care in the state's constitution. Given that Ohio legislated a six-week abortion ban just a few years back, this would be a huge change.
1: I was at a rally on Saturday that was in favor of issue one, and I saw a young girl who's probably, you know, about as tall as my waist, and she was holding a bright neon pink sign that said vote yes on issue one. And she had clearly written it herself. It was, you know, very childish handwriting. And it had like nine exclamation points after the lettering. And it just really struck me, I think, for a lot of people that this feels like a vote for the next generation.
0: If you're thinking, hold it, haven't we seen a bunch of votes like this over the last year or two? And haven't abortion rights supporters always taken the day? Well, the answer is yes but that is not stopping tens of millions of dollars from pouring into this race.
1: Ohio is the only state this year to be voting on an abortion-related ballot referendum. And Ohioans are really aware that they are going to be setting a precedent with however they vote. If Ohioans vote in favor of abortion rights, they will become the first reliably red state to be voting to proactively enshrine abortion rights into the state constitution.
0: Right, because Michigan did it, but that's a pretty purple state.
1: Yeah, because they have, you know, like a Democratic governor and so on. And if Ohioans don't vote in favor of abortion rights, that will break the streak for abortion rights supporters, having won all of these ballot uh, referendums in the past year or so.
0: No pressure, guys. Not at all. Today on the show, why Election Day in Ohio is so high stakes. I'm Mary Harris. You're listening to What Next. Stick around.
2: Just go to ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot com slash easy. Currents issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank. Members of DIC terms and conditions apply. To
0: understand the vote in Ohio today, it's important you know what the abortion landscape looks like in this state at the moment. Abortion is legal right now, up until 21 weeks of pregnancy. But that's only because a judge has stayed the abortion ban that's on the books. People in Ohio were some of the first to push for a so-called heartbeat ban, a ban that goes into effect at just six weeks. Ohio's version passed way back in 2019, going into effect just hours after Roe got overturned. Carter says abortion providers and patients in the state felt the impact immediately.
1: Well, I was at a clinic preterm, an abortion clinic in in Cleveland, Ohio, and... What they had thought would happen after Roe fell was that they would have a few weeks before the six-week abortion ban took effect. That is not what happened. Instead, they had a few hours before the state moved to implement the six-week ban. And they just rushed to perform procedures. I talked to one staffer who remembered that there was a doctor who performed an abortion on his knees because he couldn't grab his stool fast enough. Then once the ban took effect, um, staffers at that clinic stayed late into the night and called people and told them, you know, you can't have an abortion here anymore because of the six-week ban. And it was very clear to me that the providers I talked to were incredibly haunted by that experience. They talked about people screaming and crying on the phone. They talked about people saying, well, I, I just can't go out of state. I can't do that. I can't afford that. Abortions fell by 60% of that clinic. They fell by 60% uh, across the state, according to research that's since been published. And while that law was in effect, you know, some people did manage to make it out of state and some people didn't. When the six-week ban was put on hold again by a court in September, preterm staffers called the people that they had had to turn away. And some of them said, yeah, I'm still pregnant and I would like to have an abortion in Ohio. And they came in and they got abortions.
0: Oh, wow. So they were quite late term at that point?
1: Yeah, I mean, these were abortions that were occurring later on in pregnancy because of abortion bans.
0: How quickly did abortion rights advocates in Ohio start thinking, we want to change the state constitution?
1: Well, the best way to protect abortion rights at this point now that the federal constitution doesn't guarantee abortion rights is to add them into the state constitution. And so this has been an idea that has been thrown around in a lot of places for for quite some time, even before Roe was overturned. But I've talked to people who, you know, started collecting signatures basically as soon as the ink was dry on that decision.
0: I wanna talk about the reaction to that effort, like the lengths abortion opponents have gone to to ensure that the vote that's happening today has every possibility of going their way, even though most Americans are in favor of abortion rights. I wonder, should we start by talking about what happened in August? That was the last time abortion was kind of on the ballot in Ohio, right?
1: Yeah. In August, what happened was there was a proposal that people voted on to amend the process of amending the state constitution. It's very meta. It is very (laughs) meta. We
2: turn now to a closely watched battle over abortion.
0: At issue, whether to raise the threshold to amend the state constitution from a simple majority, 50% plus one vote, to 60%. Republicans, including Secretary of State Frank LaRose, had hoped to implement the change ahead of November when enshrining abortion protections into the state constitution will be on the ballot.
1: Had it passed, it would have made it really hard for abortion rights supporters to amend the state constitution in November. Ohioans defeated that measure. They voted to keep the process of amending the state constitution the same.
0: So you just need a majority of people. You don't need 60 percent of people.
1: Yes, you just need a majority of people and you don't need to gather signatures from every county in Ohio. You can just gather them from half of the counties in Ohio.
0: It's interesting because my understanding is that only a third of all Ohio ballot initiatives would have passed under this stricter standard. So it really would have had an impact on shutting down the idea of voters deciding what their laws should be.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that it wasn't just abortion rights supporters who were really opposed to that vote. There were a lot of democracy groups that were thinking, you know, this is anti-democratic if we try to amend this process and make it harder for voters to have a direct say on their state constitution.
0: Was there any way to see that election, the August one, Other than cynically, because it seems very cynical to me that there was this election on the ballot that seemed really targeted at let's give this abortion initiative the worst chance possible.
1: I mean, I think a lot of people really do see it cynically, and I think they also see it cynically in part because they don't think that the secretary of state in Ohio, Frank LaRose, is playing fair. For example, even calling that August vote issue one has caused some issues in this November vote because the November vote on abortion rights is also about issue one. And so people who supported abortion rights in August were urged to vote no on that issue one because they do not want to amend the state constitution. Now, in November, they're being urged to vote yes because they do want to amend the state constitution to add abortion rights, right?
0: But it's all being called the same thing. Yeah.
1: And you can see how people are confused. And I've talked to, you know, canvassers and volunteers who are like, you know, people think they've already voted on issue one, or people think that, yeah, I support abortion rights, and I voted no last time, so I should vote no again this time. And the concern is that, like, you know, even if Ohioans do broadly support this issue one, they might not know enough to vote correctly on this issue one.
0: I'm glad you brought up Frank LaRose, the secretary of state, Because he's come up in a lot of the reporting around what's happening with Issue 1 in Ohio. Can you just lay out the reasons why people, especially abortion rights folks, are suspicious of his motives? Like, is he a straight shooter?
1: I mean, I think that abortion rights people would say no. And in fact, they have sued over some of the things that his office has done. Like what? Well, they have sued over his office rewriting the language that's going to appear on the ballot in front of voters on Tuesday. So there was a proposal put forward about how to frame issue one, right? Like what are people actually going to see when they head into the ballot box? And Frank LaRose's office rewrote it to change some of that language. For example, um, the office substituted the term fetus with the words unborn child. Hmm. They rewrote it in such a way that it's kind of hard to tell just looking at the language uh, when abortion would be permitted under issue one.
0: Yeah, it says it says that it would always allow an unborn child to be aborted at any stage of pregnancy regardless of viability, which seems like just a wide open door to abortions at any stage. Is that fair?
1: I would say that that is not a fair reading of issue one. Um, And in fact, issue one supporters have put up a website that just is called Read the Amendment that is just the text of the amendment so that people can read for themselves what it says. And if you read the amendment, what it says is that abortion can be prohibited after fetal viability. And fetal viability is the point in a pregnancy when a fetus can survive outside the womb.
0: It's about 24 weeks or so.
1: Yeah, it can change from pregnancy to pregnancy, but generally 24 weeks. And however, abortions would be permitted past that point if there's some kind of medical emergency. Now, if you read the way that it's written uh, in the ball- like that language that voters are actually going to see, it's pretty hard to understand that that is what's being said.
0: Hmm. My understanding is that Frank LaRose also quietly canceled the voter registrations of 26,000 voters in late September, which it's a healthy chunk.
1: Yeah, my colleagues at The Guardian have pointed out that had this been a federal election, that would have been an illegal move because this is a state-level election that is legally permissible. But it is definitely raising some hackles among democracy groups and voting rights groups because they're worried that this is an attempt to twist the election in favor of Republicans who are worried that, you know, they can't win if everybody does really turn out to vote.
0: After the break, how the political parties and special interest money is shaping the way this ballot initiative is messaged.
3: This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance.
0: Okay, so it seems like Ohio's Secretary of State is definitely trying to put his thumb on the scale here in terms of the outcome of this ballot initiative. But I'm curious if you can also lay out the way interest groups are weighing in, using ads and earned media to sort of set the terms of this ballot initiative and how people should think about it. How are Republicans in the state characterizing what this vote is all about?
1: What's really interesting is that they're framing this as a contest over parental rights. Hmm. Yeah, which is obviously a very contentious issue across the country. And they're doing this in sort of two main ways. Um, they're basically saying that if issue one passes, it would remove laws that require parents in Ohio to get involved if their minor child wants to have an abortion. Is that true? Would it actually do that? Legal experts say no. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Okay, so, so they're arguing that this would cut parents out if their minor daughter wanted an abortion, but that's not actually the case. That's a fear.
1: That's a fear, yes. The other thing they're arguing is they're pointing to this list of rights that issue one protects. And issue one protects not only the right to an abortion, but some other reproductive-related rights like the right to keep a pregnancy or to the right to contraception. And in that list of rights, it says issue one protects, including but not limited to, these rights— And so anti-abortion people are basically zeroing in on that phrase, including but not limited to, and saying that, you know, under issue one, people could get gender-affirming care without alerting their parents.
0: But gender-affirming care is not mentioned in issue one, is it?
1: It is not mentioned, no. And the experts I've talked to have said that that is a dubious at best assertion.
0: Huh yeah I mean, you're seeing this in the ads. Like, there's one that caught my attention that it talks about your daughter's young and vulnerable and online
3: today in Ohio, if your minor child wants to have an abortion or get a sex change, you as a parent have rights. This amendment would take away those rights.
0: It doesn't and I'm just thinking, whoa, what a world that's being imagined here, about my child and what she's seeing and and what she wants. It just it seemed pretty, um, extreme
3: and someone who is coercing them or is talking them into something could take my teenage daughter, she could get an abortion or get a procedure done and I don't even know about it. That's what's scary. If you as a parent want you can see how it would scare people for
1: sure and make them feel out of control and interestingly sort of pivot the argument away from is abortion right or is abortion wrong and turn it into something else entirely? And people have been really struck by that when they talk to me. They're saying that these arguments aren't about whether abortion is morally or legally permissible. It's about, you know, my rights as a parent. And I don't know how to feel about this sort of twist in the argument.
0: Yeah. And I'm, I'm also struck too by how far up in the Republican Party some of these talking points go. Like the governor did an ad and, you know, saying that Issue one creates the right to abortion at any time, denies parents the right to be involved if their daughter wants to make a decision about abortion.
2: I know Ohioans are divided on the issue of abortion, but whether you're pro-life or pro-choice, issue one is just not right for Ohio.
3: Issue one just
0: goes too far. And it's alarming to me that the head of state would say that, you know?
1: You know, that ad has really stuck with people. I think it was a really uh, powerful move to get someone who's so visible in Ohio politics. People have talked to me a lot about that ad. And I think it has raised questions in people's minds. So we'll see how effective it will be.
0: It does seem like if this ballot initiative fails, it will be seen by anti-abortion folks As a real victory for this idea of reframing abortion as parental rights, as, you know, something a little bit different than they have been framing it in the past. Are people talking openly about that as well?
1: I personally think they would absolutely try to export this kind of messaging to other states because, you know, anti-abortion groups, they're also very much... Scrambling. I think it was easier before Roe fell because Republicans could pass all of these abortion restrictions that appeased these anti abortion groups, but the Republicans didn't actually have to worry about the restrictions taking effect because Roe was a guardrail. And now that all these restrictions can take effect, Republicans are a little bit more wary of just going along with what anti abortion groups want. And it has become a bit more of a scramble between anti abortion groups and the GOP. To figure out, OK, well, what is our relationship at this point, And how can we be mutually beneficial for one another?
0: Yeah, and we should be clear that in the next year or so, we're looking at ballot initiatives about abortion in places like Florida, Missouri, Arizona. Is that right?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think we could see upwards of a dozen abortion-related ballot initiatives next year. And I think all of the people who are working on those initiatives are keeping an eye on Ohio to see what is going to work for them.
0: So today's Election Day but early voting's been underway since mid-October. Does that tell us anything about what might happen in the end? Like, are there early results of some kind?
1: I don't think that there are early results yet. Um, I think we have seen polling that shows that 58% of Ohio residents do support issue one. But, you know, when I ask people about that polling here, they've said, you know, well, polling showed that Donald Trump wouldn't become president, and look how that turned out. So I don't think people are really trusting that the polls are telling the whole story. When I talk to people about abortion, for many people, this has been a right that they've had their entire life, that they have now lost. And they can't believe it. They can't believe that they don't have something that they thought was a guarantee. And so I think it's interesting to see people try to claw back this right across the country, even in states that we might think of as reliably red, because it seems like abortion rights and support for them really do cross party lines. People see it as government overreach for them to lose this right that they've had their entire life.
0: Carter Sherman, I'm super grateful for your time and your reporting. Thanks for coming on the show.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: Carter Sherman is a reproductive health and justice reporter over at The Guardian. And that's our show. What Next is produced by Paige Osborne, Elena Schwartz, Rob Gunther, Madeline Ducharme, and Anna Phillips. We are led by Alicia Montgomery with a little boost from Susan Matthews. Ben Richmond is the Senior Director of Podcast Operations here at Slate. And I'm Mary Harris. Thanks for listening. Catch you next time.